Stevens already mentioned a couple of things about our vision and uh, what we want to be about as a church over the next 10 years or so. One of those aspects of our vision has to do with the unity of all believers. Here we imagine how we will work with other believers so that the outside world see Jesus, sees Jesus and his love for unity and how we as his people are not just reading that and seeing that, but we're actually participating in that and living it out. Jesus even prayed for that in John 17, that the world may be one through Jesus. And so I want you to look at the screen and I want you to save the date for November the 8th. That is the date that we are going to be having a joint worship service with our congregation here, uh, along with the MLK Church um, and our Hispanic Church. And so Brandon Robertson, the minister at MLK, and Marcelino and I, uh, we have been meeting for several months, and we've been talking and praying about what this day would look like uh, for all of us to be together, and we are very, very excited about that. We have had services together on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights throughout uh, the years. We have never come together on a Sunday morning, and we're going to do that in two weeks on Sunday, November the 8th. The location will be on the Paris Junior High campus at Wager Auditorium. And so both churches will be dismissing uh, services from our location that day and we'll be joining together. It's going to be a great day of worship. And what I want us to do as a church and MLK is doing this this morning as they are announcing it. They're praying for it as well. I want us to go to God in prayer, and I want you to be praying over the next few weeks, and I want you to invite somebody to be with you on that morning as we come together uh, to worship our God and our Savior in Jesus Christ. We have a lot in common because of the blood that was shed on the cross, and uh, we're going to come together and worship God that day together. And so church, I ask you uh, to keep that in your prayers, and I'm going to ask right now that we go to God in prayer uh, as we pray for that. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this day. We thank you for our time of worship this morning. We thank you, Father, for the songs that we have engaged in this morning as we have lifted our voice in praise and worship to you. And Father, I pray for our brothers and sisters that are meeting just a few doors down here in this building with our Hispanic congregation. I thank you for the growth that's taking place with that church. And Father, I thank you for our brothers and sisters just a, a mile or two away from here at the MLK Church. And I pray, Father, that you will bless our efforts in a few weeks as we join together in praise and worship to you. And Father, I pray that you will bless that time together, that it can be a time of friendship and fellowship, but more than that, Father, it can be a time where we come together to worship and to lift our voices 
in praise and worship to you. Father, we ask you to bless that time and we ask you to be with all of us as we strive to to do your will and as we strive to be about what you would have us to do. And we ask this prayer in the name of Jesus and all of God's people said, Amen. There's a story about a frail older woman standing on a street corner. And this young man across the way sees her and he walks over by her and takes her arm and begins to walk her across the street because he just assumes she's fixing to cross the street and I need to help this older woman get by. So as he is walking, he, he finds himself kind of almost dragging her along because as he's walking one way, she is pushing back. And he said, ma'am, I, I want to help you get to the other side. And so she didn't really say anything. She just kept pushing back farther and farther as he's walking the other way. I mean, they're playing this little tug of war out in the streets. And so all of a sudden, they find themselves on the other side of the street where he thought that she wanted to be. And when they stood over there, she looked at him and just glared and said, Now, son, can you please take me back over to the other side because that's where I need to catch my bus. And so he did that. You know, there are some times in this life where with our actions or our words, we say a lot of things, don't we? For example, I want you to see these phrases on the screen this morning, and I want you to say them with me, but I want you to say them in the context or how you would say them in regular life, okay? So come on, let's do this. Sit down and be quiet. Just be happy with what you have. Come on, what do you know? Who asked you? You should be seen and not heard. Now, whether or not you have said those phrases, some of you are glaring at me like, you got to be kidding me. Come on, you've heard these phrases. Some of you have even been guilty of saying them before, especially to a family member, right? There are things that people sometimes say or maybe have not said to us that still speaks volumes, okay? So sometimes we waver between abusing and ignoring someone who offends or disturbs or makes us uncomfortable. And when you stop and think about it, it's really nothing new. I want you to look this morning in Mark chapter 10 at a story beginning in verse 46 about blind Bartimaeus. This morning we're just going to call him Blind Bart. So here's the background leading up to this scene. Jesus and his disciples are traveling from to Jerusalem through Jericho. They've got to go right through the city of Jericho, and he's on his way to the Passover festival. And so you know that whenever a teacher or a rabbi would teach, crowds would follow, especially when it was Jesus, because they wanted to know more about what this man was going to say. And so with this being Passover time, there are people from every house that are coming and joining the highway that goes to Jerusalem. And so even those who could not make the trip, they would kind of line the pathway 
and they would give their blessing or their good luck to them as they passed by. So I want you to picture this scene. You have Jesus, you have the disciples, you have the crowd, you have all those that are passing by, and then you have all those that are just what we would call the onlookers, okay? And so this crowd comes and they finally get to their destination and they reach the exit gate, which is the northern gate of Jericho. And there's people all around and everybody was so excited. I mean, they are on a pilgrimage, okay? Church, when you stop and think about it, that's exactly what we're on. We're on a pilgrimage. We're on a journey. Going from this place, waiting and making our place known here on earth, but this is really not our home, is it? Our home is in heaven and awaits for us as believers and as children of God. That's the reward that we have waiting for us. And so in the midst of this busyness and noise, there's a man who happens to be sitting in the gate who is having a tough time in his life. And they came to Jericho. And as Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout. Read this with me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more. Let's read this together. Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And so they called to the blind man, cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. And throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and he came to Jesus. And I love this question that Jesus asked, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Do you see, as soon as Jesus started shouting, or as soon as Bartimaeus started shouting to Jesus, many people rebuked. Jesus is saying one thing, the crowd and those that are looking on are thinking and saying something altogether different. In other words, sit down, beggar. Shut up. Be happy with the coins that we throw you. Don't bother the famous rabbi with your problems. I mean, you would think that the crowds would have known better by now. You would think that they had seen Jesus healing the sick and caring for the outcast. And there's no telling how many times a day some of those walked by that gate and saw the man there. Countless. But what'd they do? You'd think they'd have known. And it appears that everyone in this story is blind, not just blind Bart. To tell you the truth, Bartimaeus may be the only one 
who is not truly blind. Because he alone appears to understand Jesus best of all. And so as I wrestled through this text this week, I couldn't help but ask these questions. Who is the real blind beggar? Is it Bartimaeus? Is it the disciples? Or is it the rest of the crowd? Because you have all of those involved in this story. But who is the real blind beggar? It's so easy for us to say, well, it's blind Bartimaeus. Because he's at the gate. He's at the place where a beggar would be. And he's asking for help every time people come by. So he's the real blind beggar. Is he? Are we blind? Do we really see the way we need to? In the mind of the crowd, Bartimaeus was an embarrassment. He was an interruption. He was just somebody that's being an annoyance. And so maybe they thought Jesus was just as blind and deaf to Bartimaeus' cries as they were. And it's an easy way to think. Because stop and think about it for a minute, church. Is it not easy to become oblivious sometimes to what Jesus would really have us to do? We get lost in the culture we live in. We get hung up in the culture we live in. And we want to stop and think that we always will do what Jesus did. But do we? Sometimes we can be so oblivious to it that it's right there in front of us and we walk by it. It may be harder to ask ourselves how we can help bring them to Jesus' side because sometimes like the crowd that followed Jesus but shushed Bartimaeus, we can be very blind. But I love in this passage, and to me, it's such a beautiful and amazing picture of the love of Jesus of what he does. He stops in his tracks. He's not like everybody else that keeps walking. He sees the man and he stops. He could have pushed through the crowd to Bartimaeus' side. But instead, you see what he did? He gave the crowd a command. He gave them a task. He even gave them a dignity. Because here's what he did. He invited them to participate in what he was doing. Is that not what the story of God's word is all about? That when we take on Jesus Christ as Lord and master of our life, is that not the invitation? Is not the invitation to follow him wherever he goes? Is it not the invitation to do whatever he does? Is it not the invitation to embrace the life and the ministry of Jesus. It's not just something to read through and say, what a great Bible story. It's God's way of getting our attention and saying, hey, followers, this is what it's about. This is what you need 
to be doing. And so he said to them, call him. And as they took Jesus up on his command, he began to heal them as well. It's like Jesus was saying to them, call him here. You who did not or could not see or hear this man, go to him in the strength of my seeing. Go to him in the strength of hearing my voice and ask him to come to me. And they did. And they even used some very beautiful and loving language saying, cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. And the crowd is looking on and seeing this. And even before Bartimaeus even stood up, it's amazing to think that the healing that we need can come as a command to do the very thing that we couldn't do on our own. Do you see that? I mean, if we can heal ourselves, if we can take care of ourselves, my question is, why are we here today? Why are we here this morning to lift our voices and to cry out to such a loving God that's doing something for us that we can never do on our own? Glenn Barnett, you said it right this morning. We should never grow old of the story of Jesus dying on the cross for us. Because it's God at work. And it's God doing something in our lives for us that we could never do on our own. Call them here, he says. Go back to the ones that you ignored. Go back to the ones that you silenced. Go back to the ones that you maybe even insulted. Well, now we're really stepping out, aren't we? Because you know what? We are guilty of all of that. And so here's the plea. Go back and see them with your Lord's eyes. Go back and see them and hear them with your Savior's ears. Go back and speak to them with your Redeemer's very words. And is he not all three to us? He's our Lord, he's our Savior, he's our Redeemer. And if he's ours, guess what? He's also the beggars. And he's, you fill in the blank this morning. Praise God that this world is not all like ourselves. I started to say like me, but I knew you would shout amen on that. So I'm going to put us all in that circle. Praise God that the world is created and made up of different people. Right? And that's the beautiful handiwork of God. But the challenge still remains. We love them, we look at them, we listen to them, we do it all. The way Jesus would have us do it. Now, let's be honest. Are there some people that are just a little harder to love than others? Molly is the only true, honest person in this room this morning. 
And you can only imagine who she's thinking about, right? (laughs) Thank you, Molly, for your honesty. Think about that. There are people that it's harder to love than others, but we still love them, don't we? Or we should. And if we don't, maybe we need to go back and do the very thing that Jesus is asking us to do in this passage. Go back and see everyone in the eyes of your Creator. Your healing comes at the moment of your obedience. It may not be dramatic. You may still have some doubts and fears, but go anyway. Call your fellow blind beggar and you both will be healed. You both will be blessed. That's not just a message that Jesus sends then. It's a message he sends now and forevermore. And do you see in this story, Jesus, in such a loving way, modeling for us a deep humility. He doesn't just immediately restore the blind man's sight. With respect and sensitivity, Jesus looks at Bartimaeus not in a smart aleck way, but in a loving way, and he says, what do you want me to do for you? I love that question. What is it that you really want? Now, you think about it. In that situation, man, he could have said a million different things, couldn't he? Pretty smart guy to realize I'm asking of you the only thing that I really need is just to be healed. That's it. I wonder, if you had that opportunity, what would you ask? What would you ask Jesus? Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. He didn't assume the response that he was going to hear. He doesn't take him for granted. He's just a human being created in the image of God, and he shows him honor and respect and compassion. And you know what else I love? He waited, and he listened. And out of that waiting and listening comes deep obedience and a deep healing that could never take place other than with the hands of Jesus. And so there in verse 52, he says, Go, your faith has healed you. And out of that healing would come, look at this, discipleship. Where do you get that? Look at verse 52. Immediately, he received his sight... What do disciples do? They followed Jesus and followed Jesus along the road. Discipleship, as a student, I'm learning from my master. So he says, follow me. What do we do? We follow suit. 
even when we don't know what it looks like, we follow. Even when we don't know where it's going to go, we follow. Because discipleship says, you're not in charge anymore. Your Lord and Master is. And He will always take you places where you will be blessed. He will always lead you to places where it will be better for you than it was before. He restores our dignity. He restores our voice. He restores our hope. It's been said that the last thing that Martin Luther wrote was a short sentence on a scrap piece of paper that was found after he died with these words. We are all beggars. That is true. He was right, you know. He was dead right. We're all in need of Jesus' compassion and healing. And we can be so blind in so many different ways. And just like the blind beggar, we find ourselves on common ground because we are in need of the very thing that the beggar was in need of. The grace and the mercy and the love of Jesus. All of us can only see and hear and speak and live on the strength of Jesus' amazing love for us. And so, for all of us, as for Bartimaeus, Jesus stands still. He listens. And with another word, he exalts even the poorest and the lowly of us. And he asked this question, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? I'm already standing. But I ask you this morning, will the real blind beggar please stand up? What an act of humility just to be able to do that. Just to be able to say with our actions, I'm not any better than anyone else. I need Jesus just like blind Bart did. Not only do I need Jesus, he continues to offer something to me that only he can really give us that will last. Amen? And so, fellow beggars, here's what I'm asking us to do this week. Go to him. And go to all of those around you and be the hands and the feet and the mouthpiece 
for Jesus and see everybody with the eyes that Jesus sees them with. Hear them with the ears that Jesus hears with. And follow them with what they need. And give them an encouraging word of hope from our Savior. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Father, for stories like this that just make us stand in awe of you. Father, help us realize we are all in need of you. Thank you for your spirit that you have sent to us that dwells within us. And may we keep in step with that spirit more and more each day. Father, help us this week to see others through your eyes. And together we all say, Amen. Let's sing this song together as we continue to worship.